and ultimately landed on this uh, deficiency in the marketing tech space around better analytics tools. Everyone we talked to was uh, disenfranchised with the notion of social listening and didn't really feel like they had gotten a solution that allowed them to feel confident. Awesome Inc. presents the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame, a show that highlights how people throughout the Commonwealth of Kentucky pursue their definition of awesome through entrepreneurship, technology, and innovation. Hey guys, wanted to hop on here real quickly before this episode kicks off. Today we're going to be, going to be, not going to be, we're going to be hearing from Eric and Brian with Enable AI out of Louisville, Kentucky, one of the newer companies to the fellowship, but we're really excited for their journey. So to give you a quick bit of background, Enable AI helps, helps businesses understand the voice of their customers. They help businesses go, go past uh, comparing the vanity metrics and really get into the depth of what their data is saying, how to better understand their customers, their target market, and capitalize on their data going forward so their companies can grow. So here we go. Well, hey guys, thanks for checking out this episode of the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame podcast. I'm pretty ecstatic. We are sitting down with one of our last fellowship companies from the calendar year 2019 getting them onboarded in the new year. So we're really excited. And Eric and Brian with Enable AI drove up from Louisville. Sorry, drove over from Louisville. I need to be correct on that all the time. So, hey guys, thanks so much for coming out today. We're excited to hear your story and kick off the fellowship with you. We're, we're excited to be here. Yeah, excited to be absolutely. part of the fellowship program. Awesome. Well, hey, why don't you guys go ahead and give a quick recap of what you guys do. Maybe a little fun background about yourself. You know, do one of you guys snowboard or anything? Uh, and let us know, again, why are you guys here in Kentucky? What's the work you're doing? I just want to sit down and hear from you guys and let the people who listen to our show get really jazzed about the work, the solid work that people in Kentucky do, especially within our entrepreneurial community. So, uh, Brian, you look look jazzed to talk, so why don't you take it away? Sure, yeah. So uh, I'll, I'll start with the the company history. Uh, we we pretty much just, the, the three of us, me, Eric, and Ed, met up at a whiteboard, Put out some ideas when we were getting squirrely to do something new, and uh, we uh, one of the thesis that we came up with was this opportunity to commercialize uh, machine learning techniques for unstructured data and do some sort of enterprisey play with it. Uh, both my background and uh, Ed's background is like very heavy in like large companies doing enterprise resource software, uh, and so we started doing a lot of customer validation um, and ultimately landed on this. Uh, deficiency in the marketing tech space around better analytics tools. Everyone we talked to was uh, disenfranchised with the notion of social listening and didn't really feel like they had gotten a solution that allowed them to feel confident in marketing strategies or in content strategies. And so we figured there's enough out there to be able to build that. And we kind of set down that path uh, and did a bunch of proof of concepts with a bunch of different companies. And now we're at a point where we've got a pretty robust solution where we can point our system at a social presence. So like a Facebook page or whatever, Twitter page, uh, and break down all your contents and identify really what works, what resonates with your audience, and also what you're doing wrong. 
Uh, so it's a pretty cool solution. Very uh, green. Sounds like it. Yeah. You just went on, went on a roll saying what you do. So two things stick out to me. Uh, we oftentimes hear, you know, analytics. Can you guys talk about how you leverage those? And then also this concept of social listening. Would you mind talking about that as sure. well? Sure. So social listening, I mean, for people not in the space, it's a weird and possibly icky term. Um, <laughs> but essentially, there's a bunch of big companies out there that are vacuuming up as much of the social conversation uh, as they can on the various platforms. And the reason that they do that is because brands want to hear the feedback that's out there. So if you're mentioning Coca-Cola in casual conversation, Coca-Cola has an interest in, are you talking about it's in a lifestyle setting? Are you talking about something going wrong? Uh, there's all sorts of crazy signal out there around like product recall needs or uh, batch production issues or you know, you you have a new competitor coming up and people are talking about how much better they are. And so there's all sorts of things that if you're using the tools right, things surface. Um, and so the general listening side is a pretty well solved landscape at this point. But when it gets into the content that brands produce and understanding the reaction to that content, there's still a big gap. So you can understand your audience, but you can't understand how your audience is reacting to what you're saying, what your brand is projecting, and that's really what we're looking to solve. Um, and so the analytics side of it uh, is basically us using a bunch of different machine learning techniques to deconstruct all the different attributes that make up your content, both in the text around it, all the language, as well as the imagery. Uh, and so we might break it down and say like, all right, this post was about people drinking during the holidays and you know, it was Veterans Day, whatever the case may be. And then the imagery itself was people outside in a backyard holding up drinks, lots of smiles, maybe swimsuits, whatever the case may be. And so trying to identify as many attributes as we can from that. And then when you do that in aggregate, all these patterns start to emerge around what is it that's actually resonating with your audience? What kind of reactions are you eliciting? Uh, and then that leads to all sorts of opportunity to build more informed strategy around the content you produce and your your brand strategy in general. Well, that's cool. There's a lot to that that is above my head, but you guys are well versed to do this. So Eric, I'm going to throw the ball over to you. Can you talk real quickly? Uh, Brian mentioned about breaking down a post. Would you mind talking about that? And then maybe talk about your background, how you founded the company, some of the the goodness that you shared in our onboarding meeting, if you don't mind. I have a lot of experience uh, with different startups and various technologies. Um, we basically, like as Brian said, sat down and, and whiteboarded this this idea and knew that we wanted to be in the, the AI, ML, deep learning space. And we, we did sit down and, and figure out like all the different techniques that fit together to produce this solution. So it's been a really um, intellectually interesting process. Uh, and also um, learning how to build a data product properly has been very uh, educational, uh, you know, because at, at the end of the day, like until we started delivering actionable insights to our customers, um, it was much harder to, to grab somebody's attention. But when you can tell somebody what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong, uh, that really changes the picture. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. Would you mind also sharing a little bit of, of the, the origin story, uh, if you don't mind? Yeah, absolutely. So after we sat down and started whiteboarding this and, and settled on the marketing tech landscape, 
Uh, we did try a, lo a lot of different techniques in, in the general listening sense, uh, just looking at different, uh, looking at people's comments, clustering them, visualizing them, and thinking about that aspect of thing and uh, of things. But also like thinking about like, you know, how are different brands associated with different Absolutely. concepts? So it could be like, is my bourbon brand most socially uh, most associated with uh, you know the the Derby or okay. Keeneland or whatever? And so we found early success working with customers, showing them different relationships. Or we did a study on mixology. So like one thing that that we showed was that people were adding CBD to drinks. Oh really? And this is a couple cool. of years ago. Um, and so you know people found that to be interesting. But as we, we hone more and more uh, into, into more of a narrow setting, um, what we learned was that people cared about ranking their content or understanding how well their content is performing with their audience. And so that's really what's resonated with our customers and our client base. And so we've consistently doubled down on that. And that's why right now we're, we're solely focused on providing um, insights into to what drives uh, the reactions you want in your content. And so that's where we get into creating custom KPIs or key performance okay. indicators. Sure. And so when we when we create a scoring system for a customer, it's very much tailored to what matters to them. It's not just a one size fits all uh, solution, and we we can custom tailor that to to whatever that brand cares about. Cool. Would you mind sharing even who some of your your famous customers are, are people that you've really enjoyed working with by far Texas Roadhouse. I mean, oh really? Yeah, yeah. They've, they've been uh, great to work with. Um, and they've been really receptive to, to what we told them. Uh, as a matter of fact, they've done a complete 180 on their content strategy based on the insights that we provided. So man, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's great validation for what we're doing. Uh, it's also really interesting because uh, we went through this process of printing out um, the top and bottom performing content, and we put them on two different boards. And when you're when you're sitting there in a room, and you can look at it, and you can you can as a person understand yeah. that, and then you can back that up with with quantitative numbers. It really changes the entire landscape of how marketing professionals think about strategy. And that's really cool. You know, funny enough that you guys did say Texas Roadhouse. Again, this show is called the Kentucky Entrepreneurial Hall of Fame Podcast. It's a mouthful, but Ken Taylor is in the yeah. Hall of Fame. So that's really cool that, again, a Louisville native that you guys get to do some work with them. So kudos to you guys. What else? Are there any other cool companies that maybe stick out that you you, you help their, their company grow in a way they weren't expecting to, or maybe it was a good launch point for you guys' growth? We, we had done uh, a handful of different pilots with companies, some of them bigger makers mark was a company that oh we, nice we, another hall of fame we, company. we did some work with them alongside doe anderson uh trying to see how this would be applicable to the spirits industry and so since then there's definitely been ongoing conversations uh on that side of things um but yeah the 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 verticals that we've definitely seen that are highly attractive you know being kentucky restaurants yeah. and spirits are are definitely up there in terms of the companies that we're having conversations with uh and then some of the other ones that i think are interesting for us to start playing with is like getting into the sports marketing side of things okay sports is so big in social media and the sports teams themselves produce tons of content so i think that's an interesting angle for us to play um and then i think that there's a couple other niches like education's big here i think that potentially makes sense uh but that's been like definitely part of the process that's been fun is just trying to 
explore what are the verticals that this makes most sense for early on uh, as we expand the capabilities. I think that's we'll yeah, continue to grow you're that figuring list. a lot out. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome right now. So would you guys mind sharing maybe one of your, your greatest successes over the last year and then also one of your greatest failures that has really helped you guys learn from and maybe you even pivoted in your company to a certain degree? Yeah, I mean, I, well, I can take the the failure one. I'll let Eric give a success story. That sounds um, good. <laughs> but but a failure, I think that was interesting. I mean, failure is probably a bit of a harsh word here. Uh, but we, you know, we went through this series of different proof of concepts, playing with slightly different data sets within the marketing space. Uh, and so social was just one of the things we played with. We played around with customer survey data. We played around with product review data. And so we did a pilot on the product review side, which was an interesting exercise. I think there's a ton of value there um, that's, that we can provide to, to brands. Sure. Um, like just breaking down the anatomy of like what constitutes a five-star review versus a one-star review on Amazon, I think ends up being a very illuminating exercise. Uh, and you can start to identify all sorts of specific attributes that drive people to make different kinds of reviews. Um, and, and so we thought we were going to find real footing there, but I think that's, we definitely made some mistakes in terms of underestimating just how much education and handholding is required when we onboard okay. a brand. Uh, because ultimately, we were talking to a company that was doing this effort manually. And so we said, oh, cool, let's see the output yeah. of what you produce manually, and we'll replicate it using machine learning. And we did exactly that. And so we put basically the exact same Excel file in front of them and said, hey, this was your version. This is our version. You can see the numbers deviate a little bit, but we've tested the accuracy. And there's actually some scenarios here where our system's more accurate than the people you have doing it manually. And so we thought that was enough, that that was going to be a slam dunk. And they looked at it and they went, well, we, we have this Excel file already. Like, wh what what else are you going to give us? And I was like, n n but, but this is for all the times in the future you're going to do it. You repeat this process constantly. Yeah. And I think that we, we kind of fumbled there a little bit. Um, but ultimately, I think it was for the best because... Well, product reviews is a very interesting data set that I think we'll circle back to at some point. There just isn't the same appetite in the market for that. Um, they're just like the pricing, I think, is going to be way softer. There aren't a lot of vendors really doing it. And the vendors that are, are probably going to do a race to the bottom kind of scenario. Uh, and so pivoting into the social data side of things, I think, was a, definitely the right move for us. Um, but there was definitely some highs and lows as we were going through that proof of concept exercise and, and landing where we did. And that's exciting. So that was, yeah, a great learning lesson for you guys. Do you want to take the, the success story, Eric? Yeah, yeah. And, and it's actually just a theme of what we've already been talking about. Okay. Because uh, as Brian said, we, we've taken a look at a lot of different pieces, uh, different types of data, like customer surveys. Um, but I, I feel like we've dodged a lot of bullets because like early on when we were getting started, we talked to a major local company about the chatbot space. And I think avoiding the chatbot space was great. Um, then we sort of, uh, we, we moved into social listening and we kept doubling down onto that. And I think that that's been really smart. But I think that what we learned by doing the general listening is that we needed that actionable insight. And so I think the, the choice to, to focus on um, the, the content scoring or ranking and using that as our focus and our entire impetus for moving forward has really been a, a good thing. And I, I feel like if we had stuck with our older model and our older way of thinking and not 
chosen that, I'm not sure we where we would be. So I think that that continued focus um, has been our, our biggest success. Well, yeah, I'm glad to hear that. And I know that's something we we have been telling our, our team, but also the people we work with that, you know, find a few things that matter to you. And if you can focus and you're undistracted focus, that's where you can do a lot of your success. So last question before you guys head back to Louisville, would love to maybe get your two cents, uh, actually a little bit from both of you. What is the the one thing you know now, if you could have told yourself, you know, 10 years ago, or maybe even before you guys started this company that you wish you could have? Uh, yeah, I know what it would be for me. Uh, it would be to focus on storytelling. Um, it's been amazing for me to understand how important storytelling is in every facet of our business. So, you know, you can think of what we do is a bunch of math that produces charts that people look at, sure. right? <laughs> which isn't a great story. But being able to craft that story and, and tell that story to a CMO or to a brand manager or to a social strategist that's really where the magic comes in. Okay. And so understanding that is is really our core output is the ability to tell that story is super important. But that also flows through um, as we, we, we look for investor money as well. We have to have the right story there. So understanding that every aspect of your business is about being able to tell a story mm-hmm. uh, has been super important for me to learn. So I think that's probably my number one. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, quick note: If you do you know what StoryBrand is out of Nashville? Have you heard of them before? No, I haven't. They are a good resource. I will I will connect you with them afterwards. But they've been a company that's really helped a lot of the people we know in our network uh, be more clear when they're telling their stories. Yeah, right. So, right. Cool thing. And the, it's such an art. Yeah, it really is. It's good to hear. Brian, final yeah. word. I I I agree with what Eric's saying, but I think the one thing that's uh, I I would have said I knew going into this, but I think I have learned the hard way just how valuable it is to just be a little bit shameless um, when you're reaching out to people. Uh, for us, I think because we're this like basically greenfield solution in the sure, market, yeah. the the need to find the early adopters is really the, the, the whole of the problem for us. Because once you get some traction, once you prove it out, everything becomes a lot easier. You've got the social proof. And so there's a numbers game there. And you hear that I think salespeople intuitively understand that better. Um, but really, like, there is just a brute force numbers game that we've gotten more comfortable with doing over time. Uh, and if we had embraced that earlier, I, I do wonder, like, how much faster could we have gotten into different client environments? How much faster would we have narrowed in on the proof of concepts that were really creating material value? Uh, and even now, like, we're, we're still very much ramping up that effort on what's the the best way to build out the process and machinery required to cast that net to try and catch all the early adopter brands and agencies nationally. Um, But really, like when you boil it all down, it's just about outreach. It's about just sending that first email, doing the first handshake, booking the ticket for that conference, whatever the case may be, you just really need to put yourself out there. And that's something that it's just taken time to like really get comfortable with just embracing the nose and figuring out what the signals are of who might actually uh, have this resonate with. No, no. Yeah. It doesn't say no pun intended. That's awesome. I mean, uh-huh. it takes, sometimes it does take a while just to figure out here's the grunt work. We have to do it to move forward. And again, so if you're listening to this and you're an entrepreneur, do the grunt work, be shameless with it and learn how to tell your story. So guys, thanks so much for coming down to awesome Inc. today, sharing your story with us and then sitting down for this podcast. 
we're looking forward to the next 12 months with you guys here in the fellowship. Awesome. We're, we're definitely looking forward to it as well. Super yeah, excited, excited to be a part well. of it. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thanks. All right, well, that's it. We want to say thank you again so much for checking out the Kentucky Entrepreneur Hall of Fame podcast. Special thanks to Lee Rosevere for the music that you hear in the show and to Lexington's Awesome Inc. for hosting us from their space. Again, I'm Garrett Farbach. Make sure to check back and tune in next time. We'll see you then.